Episode 9, Done and Dusted, and here for your listening pleasure. I thank you, the listener, for listening. Hope you are well, and your 2019 has started off in a delightful fashion. The interviewee in this episode has spent over a quarter of a century coaching and teaching teams slash people of varying ages and skill sets. A man with great perspective, intellect and a deep passion for the game, John Frew's career is one I was proud to record. I texted one of his former players from the Wolves youth team of the mid-1980s and he said that John had an easygoing nature which allowed for good relationships to be built and the bond within the team was strong. This testimonial, 30 plus years later, says a lot of John and the environment he created within the teams he coached. Please enjoy John's journey and thanks again for your support. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. Um, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Travis. We'll start uh, straight into it um, and and find out um, where you're from. Uh, You started your junior career off at Bulleye. Do you want to talk a bit about that and um, in particular Dulcie Thomas? Yeah, I I started... um Ray, Ray Dulcie's son and a heap of us at Bullard Primary School, they decided to start the Junior Soccer Club. Um, we started with our under-10s, I think we were all about nine-year-old or about, about that age, and uh, in the first year we, we were lucky enough to win Gala Day, which I remember. We had some great players, Kevin Fenton, particularly great player, the war with Geoffrey Hamilton. Um, so we we played there and uh, we stuck together to till about under fifteens. And um, as an aside, I was coaching the under tens. I think thirty years later, and because my son was there, and they had the big anniversary, so I got to catch up with Dulcie. And it was a bit of a coincidence that the ten years time on thirty years time on coaching the same team in the same club. So that was nice. Uh, we had, I think, we had a little bit of success. I was. Uh, a real journeyman player, especially when I was younger. I didn't, and I see this with a lot of players, I didn't sort of get my strength till I was about 13, 14. So I was a very little weedy kid, so it was skinny kids on the wing and your fat kids fullbacks, <laughs> and uh, that was the way we played in those days. And uh, So, yeah, I enjoyed Bulloy, and uh, it was a great little club, and um, I had connections when my kids were growing up. It, it's uh, it suffers geographically because the numbers are really hard to get, and um, but I have had great years there, and I, I really loved it. And uh, in particular, did they play um, in the blue and white? Blue back and then? white quad, 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 uh, quarters, yeah, quarters, yep. And uh, mums used to make the shirts, and uh, yeah, it was it was really good fun. Um, we used to play at Slucky Flat, and. and uh, it was funny, we'd play it all morning, like all kids, we'd play Saturday morning, then we'd go and watch the seniors play, and you'd spend most of your time as good as Lucky Flag, because you'd be having a game while the seniors were playing anyway, <laughs> they're just kicking the ball around all the time, it's a fantastic time. And uh, a bit about uh, Dulcie, um, she, uh, from a few articles that I read, and I read that one where <laughs> 30 years later, it was a great picture yeah. of you and her and, yeah, and a few a other good kids. Touch, yeah. But she seems like a bit of a, I guess, a trailblazer for for that point in time culturally. I guess women weren't as involved in those type of positions in in soccer, especially. So, uh, 
Can you give a bit of an insight into her? Oh, Dulcie, yeah, she was a trailblazer. She really, one of those really independent women, um, great sense of humour, get up and go spirit, and she she stayed with the club for a long time, and uh, but didn't stay with us uh, after a couple of years. Uh, Jock Hamilton, who's a legend of Bulloy, came and coached us, uh, but Dulcie was always there, and... Yeah, independence, she was in the PNC or the Mother's Club in those days, and yeah, just a lovely lady, really, and very, very humble and modest. She was very uh, touched when she got that um, article written about her, and the, the tributes were paid to her. Fantastic. And and yourself, those those junior years, um, you look back on them now, and um, obviously that gala day sticks in your memory? Oh, I sort of just remember. Um, yeah, I... I I don't really, I don't know. I've, uh, I've I've always enjoyed training as much as playing. So the, the, I've been lucky as a player and more lucky as a coach to win a lot of things. But uh, I'd have just as much fun going to training and playing and just running around. Uh, we had just good times and good friends. And um, yeah, I, I as I said, I was a late developer if I developed at all. And um, and uh, it was just a pleasure to play with some of the kids I played with. You then, um, in the potted history you put together for me, and I, I thank you for that, um, you said at, at the point in time when there was uh, not enough for an under-16 team, you were um, privileged to, to go into the, the Bulleye Workers set up in the senior reserve grade team. And so you played with, um, like you said, the greats like Jock Hamilton, um, who's the father of Jeff, uh, Matashenko, Spicer and, and Pancho Pierce. So yeah. tell us a bit about that. I... Um what happened, the top players at Bulleye were poached by Waduna and three or four of them went, which left, we were short. And Jeff's dad was in the senior club and he said, oh, come on through, you come and play with us. So I was with all these guys that are coming off their careers. I remember the old Bulleye Workers Club was in the church hall in the old days and uh, I used to go and sit outside while the boys were in having a beer or whatever <laughs> and they'd drive me to the game and I'd play and they'd drive me home back to the club and I'd I'd come home again and oh that was such an experience because um, I I could remember we there was game it was a game with we had a ride against some team and you know obviously fifteen year old kidders and I was getting kicked to death I could remember Teddy Drain who's another legend I was playing against him and he was at the end of his career and yep. um, so I always pushed the ball past him and ran past and someone said don't do that John you know <laughs> <laughs> I did it another couple of times and then I was on the stretcher just <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> so, Oh, it was good. When I, and I went back to play the next year. We we, had, we reformed a team, and uh, that twelve months, so it just toughened me up so much. And I've I've seen that with all junior players. They've got to have that time to get that first season or the first touch of being in, a, in an adult environment, and uh, and that's the difference. That's and that's where I think a lot of kids miss out. Um, the coaches don't believe in them for long enough that they can get that that period of. of yeah, yeah, just getting built up. That physical and, apprenticeship. Yeah, and hardness. Yeah. You can see them, if, you know, often when I was a younger coach, you'd do uh, some of the exercise work and you'd, I'd always grab the youngest kids to be for your partner and, and they were all sort of weak and then all of a sudden they'd just get their strength and you could just you just knew that they'd had that maturation yep. to get their strength. It's awesome, yeah. So then you went back and... Uh, uh, played in the the junior setup from there but it seemed like uh 
you know, just coincidentally, it was a, a great uh, experience for you that oh, you then yeah, got went, to play with some greats oh, but, I did. And, and against. And uh, there was a guy called Hugo Rosling. Um, I, I, I can't remember who coached us that. It might have been Hugo, but he was from um, Austria. There are Austrian Rapids, and yep. he, was, he was a fantastic ball player, you know, not like we were used to. And uh, I had a couple of years in reserve grade after that at Bulloy and I had Hugo and um, Charlie Stewart. One year, yep. Charlie Stewart coached me, and that was that was a privilege. He was a lovely man. Um, he grew up with Mum, so uh, so we had that connection too. But uh, yeah, that tragic incidents in the mines. Yeah, that, that was always so sad. Yeah, but um, he still was involved at Winona last time I heard. I don't know what's happened now. Yeah, it's... Uh, but he was a great player. Yeah. He, Barry Salisbury, there's some fantastic people. Um, we're very uh, lucky in the area to have, uh, you know, uh, over the different decades, so many uh, great men and women uh, being involved in the game. It's, a, it's an absolute disgrace we haven't got a team in the National League. Yeah. Absolute I, disgrace. I don't think there's anyone else, or uh, well, the majority of us yeah. in this area, oh, agree with you totally. Yeah. So you, um, like you said, you, you then played another couple of years of Bulleye and then... Uh, through a good friend Derek Henderson, you uh, moved to Blamby for for just on a decade, sort of yeah. mid sixties to mid seventies. Um, that was a pretty purple patch for for Blamby. What what were your memories of, I guess, uh, yourself playing there and, and being around um, the club itself? Oh, I went uh, Derek Henderson was a mate of mine, and um, went to school together, and then we. I'd, I'd, we were electrical apprentices uh, at the same time in different companies in um, Port Kembla, but we, uh, he said, come on down through. And a lot, of the, a lot of my age group, like Robert Banks and a um, whole heap of guys there, Tony Gill, and whole, we were all in the same age bracket. And we went together, and Tony's dad, Stan Gill, um, got us together and coached us for the first few years. And we struck, we struggled, but we, there was like so much talent there. And um, then we had Billy Williams, and then eventually we we got uh, Bobby Young was coach. And uh, I I I loved my time at Blame. We got lifelong friends, and it was a great club and a great committee. Um, people who were Minna Johnson and and uh, uh, Brian uh, Brian Weber and. Uh, Mr. Furlong, I forget his first name, but uh, it was it was a very much like Bulloy, and it was a real family club, and it really stuck together. and had a purpose with them. Uh, the other side was it was such a good squad. When Bobby Young came, I don't think I ever played first grade again, and I I don't regret it. Like I said, I loved playing, but uh, I sometimes think if I'd have been coaching a kid like me, I'd have said go to another club. Because yep. the reserve grade at Bulambi was almost as good as another first grade side. Um, but I'm, I, I wouldn't swap that at the time. I had such good friends. We had a, little, a great time. Uh, one year in the middle of that period, I was at Newcastle at Teachers College and I'd just travelled back for the games. And that's, that's the year they had to run in the State League. And yeah, I think I, that was 71. Yeah, and I remember yeah, it was 71 as so was college. And um, yeah, I remember coming down for the game when they, oh, it was Eugle they played, and yeah. uh, fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, it was uh, it was good, and I, I still think um, Robert Banks uh, could have played for Australia. He should have moved on. He was one of the best players I've ever seen. 
I've never seen him with more drive. Well, the only person I've seen as much drive with him is Gordy McLeod on the basketball court. He, yep. he, I've seen Robert for, go down, um, and they took him to hospital because he was purely he was had just sheer exhaustion. Most people's brains tell them to stop before they get anywhere near that. He could he had that much determination. He could go to his body, couldn't get up off the ground, and uh, that's a rare sight. But on top of that, top of the drive, he had skill, yep, and determination, and. And the the grounds named after him down there at Elizabeth Park now. Deservedly and, so. And and yeah, Rob's just been blamby through and through. But he could have he could have played for Australia. Absolutely. Well, he did have that. Um, I think in the mid seventies, maybe a year after you left, a, a touring game that Neville Arrowsmith, which yep. we'll we will talk about and yep. later on uh, set up where they got to play against Chelsea and um, yeah yeah. And that was, I guess, uh, previously it was usually. Um, I guess the South Coast Uniteds yep. or Bowgownies yep. that played against Middlesbrough's and, and whatnot. Yep. So it was good for that, I guess, the IDSA yep. best players to, to play yep. against those sort of teams. Yep. Yep. So you then, um, vocationally, you're uh, becoming a teacher. Yep. Uh, and then, like you said, you're, I guess, uh, sort of not in the first team but still loving your time at Blamby. And was there a point in time when... You're sort of finishing your teaching degree that you thought well I'm going to start teaching so therefore I'm going to stop playing or no I, I played the first few years I taught and then I needed to get higher qualifications and I, I went to university and uh, I tried playing but uh, I was getting a little bit older and you know I watch old players now you can't get to training and start getting yep. injuries young kids go past you so you know how to stop them and that's not nice so I just thought oh, I'm not going to play anymore and uh, I didn't want to do that um, so I, uh, I I just stopped and I was I did a honours degree and and that time I started coaching it I started Oak Flats soon Carrying bar, carrying bar first, and Oak Flats High, and then I come to Winona High, where I spent fifteen fantastic years, and we had fantastic success at Winona. Um, so that was really the start of your that's uh, when I started your coaching, coaching yeah. career. That yeah. I guess as part of the teaching, um, yeah, you had your experience in soccer, so yeah. you thought, why not um, start yeah. that? Oh, yeah, it, it, so you was had, it? You had to take a sports team, so that was a no brain. I did soccer in there. Winter and basketball in the summer. So it was was, was that a um, apart from having to take a team as a teacher? Was that a well? You had we, to take a team Wednesdays, yeah. But I took them. Um, we trained two mornings a week, and uh, we after the first couple of years, we rarely missed out on winning the regional knockout comp, and um, and I think we got the quarterfinals of states about four times, and we won it one year. And there was the Tasman Cup in those days. It was now the Commonwealth Cup. That was a massive Yeah, that's that's a big achievement because I think yeah. in uh, 71, Berkeley High had won it. Yep. And then yeah, Winuna, they had a great side, and I remember that side, yeah. And then Winuna, um, Winuna it was 1980 um, that you won it. And then Kira won it the next year. So, with, so for you, it wasn't... Um, I guess pre-planned or meditated that you would then go into coaching. You just fell into it because oh, of your yeah. vocation. And I loved I loved working with the kids. And I well, while I was at the Angwinoon, I also started coaching the South Coast Region Schoolboys team. Yeah. And um, we'd go to a state championship every year. And oh, I had great players. 
come through that team and uh, we won the state and we was usually in the semis or the finals. Um, kids like Ray Valester, Drop Melanda, oh, who's who's Alex Bandala, you yeah. name it, Minio Bonatic, Johnny Brown. They just it was, and I just loved coaching those kids and uh, still friends with most of them. I hope. Um, yeah, that they, they were they were uh, fantastic days. Um, so that um, sorry to interrupt that. That Tasman Cup because that was pretty special. Um, like you said, you made the last four or the semis in in three other occasions, but you know normally between two hundred and fifty and three hundred schools across yeah. New South Wales back then were playing. So it's it's a big knockout competition, and you know uh, school soccer is slightly different depending on where kids yeah, go to school. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it can be hit and miss, unlike club soccer. But looking back through um, my research. Uh, in the semi-final in that 1980 Tasman Cup, you defeated Meadowbank 2-1 in front of 2,300 people at Winnoon yep. Oval, the old yep. balls paddock, you know. Yep. Talk a bit about that because that's a – for school soccer, I don't yeah. think I've – and no, I didn't have it, much of a career, was, but to play in front of 2,300 people. Yeah. We have to go back a couple of games too. We we were – I'd started coaching Blamby at that stage, but it was um, – we we were playing those Tills um, boys in the quarterfinals, and yep. I, uh, it was another big game. But the week before, uh, three four kids from our school, or three from our school, another kid had been killed in a car accident, burnt to death at Rickson's Park, uh-huh. and um, a couple of players were in the previous year's year twelve, and Michael Potter was one of the boys that played in the, the, the Tasman Cup side. So all our our boys, um, they had to, we had to absorb that. We they, they got killed on the Friday night, and the funerals were on the Tuesday, and we played we stills on the Wednesday night. Um, that was the, the I still choke up. It was magic, um, and uh, we won we won that game. Uh, and in that team there, Steve War and Mark War were playing, and Ellie Tills, and they were a big club, big side. And Mark Wars even talked about that game in his book. Um, that was big. So the um, the next game was huge, and then we we won the final at eight. Yeah, I think the buses went up, and we it was up so, in uh, Newcastle yeah, against Tamworth, yeah, and, yeah, but and the, came that, back after a, an early goal down. Oh, we were never going to lose that game. So. I guess, um, and what I've noticed and like to, um, uh, not that I was aware of, of the tragedy behind it, but um, sometimes not just soccer but sport yes. can bring communities together and oh, and sort yeah, of start yeah. that grieving process and give people something to yeah, focus yeah. on apart from what has happened. So oh, it was a, it was a, a tragic, tragic but magical time to see everybody come together and the school come together. So that was part of that sort of twenty three hundred, yeah, that yeah. sort of community coming oh, together coming in a together, sense. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and I, I mentioned after the East Hills games that nobody's going to beat that team. And and in terms of some of the players, you're talking about um, uh, from what I saw of some of the newspaper reports: Glenn Shepherd, oh, Andrew Shep- Wim- Williams, Williams, Paul yeah. Morgan, Warren Baker, Gary Mark, Day, Mark Simpson, Phil yeah, Bragg, yeah. Mark Morgan, Robert Jones. Yeah, all great so some. Yeah. Good, Some very, very yeah, good names there. was good there. players on the bench, mate. That was good. But Winona, Winona and, and this area around here have always been 
I mean, I, I worried. I didn't worry, but I used to think the the centre was going to shift south of soccer, and it probably will. But I know the northern suburbs are swinging strong. You know, Balgany, Winuna, Bulloy, all those areas have been really strong soccer sides, and that because we we got the Coral kids and the Winuna kids, and and some of the Bulloy kids that were on the border, we always had good teams, really great players. Robbie Beamore, Stevie Badger later on, you know, this goes on. And I, I just say that I don't think any other teachers were coming in two hours, two mornings a week and, and yep. coaching. And, um, and that and they the kids to, would have loved that. Oh, they got all their young men, but well, they were on me back second week back at school until the summer <laughs> when we start. You know, so yeah, it was good. good. You you mentioned there that you know um, you then uh, coach Blamby. I think it was nineteen eighty when I spoke to Dean Gardner and he he came across um, and, and played under you in that first year. So what, you know, you're, you're teaching, you'd finish your playing days. Um, what made you want to then, uh, I guess, dip your water into senior club coaching? I blame you were really struggling at the time and I think that they saw in me an opportunity to attract kids playing and yep. uh, they offered the job to me and, uh, and I figured I enjoyed coaching and uh, really very fortunate to get Blamby because it was... <laughs> It's the hardest coaching job I've ever done in my life, and that's where you learn. You learn from doing tough jobs. You learn to hide people. You learn to, you know, <laughs> fill in stations. You know, so that, and I didn't attract a lot of kids the first year, so I, um, I had a, a very difficult job. We we hung on. We didn't get relegated, and we did the second year. We got a little bit better, and I started getting a few kids to come along. Glenn Shepard and a few others. And I had some good players there. Don't get me wrong. Terry Stewart and a few guys there that yep. were excellent, and um, Kimmy Johnson, and uh, those sort of players. That uh, the third year we'd really I'd got a squad together, and uh, we got beat in the um, Burt Bampton final. And I think we got beat in the semis of the regular season. Um, and uh, the next year we, we, I don't know, I think we might have just missed the semis or something like that, but through the coaching of the youth, the, the schoolboy side, I um, I threw my hat in the ring to go to the Wolves youth side. So um, yep. that's, I stopped to Blamby then. Um, I think when the days were number two, I think I was on the... I was on the rack, you know, you get a sense of when the committee's 100% behind yep. you, pack your bags, you've got about three weeks, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, coaches definitely know. I was yeah, talking to John and, Fleming, yeah. Yeah, and um, so I, but I went to the Wolves and that was another first year there. There was another learning curve because. So that was a sort of 85, 86. Like that, yeah. So was that just a, I guess, a simple sort of move across in your head that you thought, well, I'm coaching, yeah. I'm coaching. My Winuna High. I'm also coaching the CHS South Coast team. Yep, the rep side, the most and so you know, why not take yep. these kids into the NSL yep. setup yep. or, or yep. whoever's based on merit or whatnot? But oh, but yeah, but it was, um, and I, you know, I went there again, and I had trouble. I didn't have a very good squad. Um, it was going through a bit of a rough time. That Neville, who's been a constant, Neville Arrowsmith's been a constant in my career. Um, was there and he became my manager and that was a blessing and uh, the first year we we ended up coming last and um, but in that time a few of the guys like Jamie Dummett and Darren Nees and a few of those guys had contacts and they've obviously they obviously put the word out that this is all right and a lot of people like Peter Ruskin and a lot yeah, of some good players some they can, big names oh, there yeah. Brett Farrager yeah. 
Tony Corradini. Seeing Billington, yeah. Peter Rogers, oh. Earl Canvin, yeah, um, Rob great. Chipperfield, Tony Donnelly. Johnny Brown, um, Peter Rogers, yeah. That, Bonatig, yeah, Wellborn. I had, yeah, Phil Matthias used to play as a regular in the Cleaves overage, but we had four overage players, and Phil was never got a, I don't think got a fair go in first grade, and but he was he was part of the team, so that was great. So the second year, um, we at the Institute of Sport, it was just a gun sight. I remember saying to him one day at the back, because it was almost like after we got ourselves structured and we knew what we were doing and, and we knew the game, um, it almost rolled the ball out of the boys and I remember saying the back four and that was um, Brett Farrier and Peter Ruskin and Jeff Wright and Klaus Wunsch, I think was the other fullback. And I said, you boys, I can't hear you talking. And I said, oh, shut through, we know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, just just leave, leave us alone. No. And that's Sean Billington in goals. Now, there's a player that I reckon got a raw deal. He was, geez, he was a good goalkeeper. I rue the day those guys because they all went to fig tree. <laughs> yeah. It cost me all the time, but, um, yeah. The other week, uh, I think, um, and it probably was a year ago, that I, I pasted... Uh, posted on um, on Facebook a, a picture of I forget who the the two guys were with yourself and it was a 1985 article and all three of you smiling they were talking about um, the youth team and 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 how it had progressed uh, in your first year there but then underneath for probably the next I guess week and a half on on the comments there at Facebook what really um, was drawn out there was that there was still that sort of willingness and relationship between people, even though they hadn't seen each other. Yeah, the yeah. comments amongst yourself, Neville, yeah. um, Brownie and, and and the other guys that you were yeah. still, um, and, and Craig Baker, yeah. just really good friends yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and friendships were really formed. So yeah. you must oh, be yeah. pretty proud of that, oh, that, yeah. you know, we're talking, what, 30-odd years yeah. Yeah. Past, past that yeah. date and you are yeah. all talking about a reunion yeah, and... Was, and yeah. I know John Fleming said when in, when he was on this uh, that when you do special things that they're lifetime friends. It is right. You do stuff like that, and it's it's something special that you don't you just pick up from where you left off, and it's it's good. It's good. But that happens in all teams. So, yeah, know, it's um, it's still nice when it comes yeah, out like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's we worked hard. That second year, like I said, I might been playing it down a bit, but we worked really hard that year. And to give Adrian Olsen his credit, um, he. He, um, we mixed with the first grade a lot, yep. and uh, I remember one game we played against St George, um, and and Noddy, we, we we were well, and then we were the gun side, and Noddy bet Frank, well, Noddy said he bet Frank fifty bucks that we'd beat him, and uh, <laughs> but it was a week, Frank being Frank Arrow, Frank Arrow, yeah, and it, it was a week when the Australian squad was away, and Frank had. His, his St George side was half of them were under twenty anyhow, and Robbie Slater and all those guys. So they qualified. They had the four. They had they had just about their first grade side, and they could have four overage players. So Frank used it as a trainer match for his first grade. So <laughs> we're we're warming up, and they, there's a cage out at the back of St George where yeah. you warm up in, and all of a sudden the, the team comes through, and the boys is stalking, you know, and um, they, we kicked off. Uh, I think it was Peter Rogers wrecked his knee and never had to take him to hospital. Um, Tony Donnelly, another great player, got his ankle wrecked, and they'd scored. And I'm going, oh, anyhow, at the end of the game, Neville come back and I said, oh, he said, what, how did it end up? I said, I was 5-1. And he said, oh, that's not too bad against that. So I said, no, we won 5-1. 
Wow. We kill them. Absolutely wiped the floor. It's probably that in another game. It's probably the best I've ever seen a team play that I coached. It was... And even the St George guy said, what are you guys doing in the youth team? You know, you just beat us 5-1. And they they weren't wanting to go next, next to the fullbacks. They had, had enough. We just... <laughs> it was it was one of... Johnny Brown scored a, a 25 yard. You just dream about. It was that good. Um, and that uh, that was the sort of side it was. They they had a hunger and they just were a fantastic side. Well, hopefully uh, Noddy collected the, the $50. Uh, oh, you were all those two. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, there, um, before we go any further, um, you give people opportunities um, in yep. sport and, and in soccer as well that that hunger, from what I've seen, you can... You can do a lot of things, but if you've got that desire, you talked about Rob Banks as well. Yeah. If you've got that hunger and determination, that mental application, it, it can take you a long, a long way, can't yeah. it? Past your skill set. I, I absolutely. Um, the number of, I, I, I had a privilege of being involved with um, um, Harry Kuehl and Mark Schwartz. More with Schwartz, he played for him for, for me a couple of years up at Marconi. But um, I've seen players with more school than Harry Kuehl and more natural gifts than Harry and not do anything with it. Um, so there's plenty of plenty of people that could do it, but that you want to make it that it's all... If, you have, if you've got to have the skills, but if yeah. you've got the skills, if you make it or not, it's going to be between the ears, absolutely between the ears. And I talk to a lot of parents want their kids to be successful and I say, look, let them enjoy it. If they're going to be champions, you won't stop them. Yep. And if if they if they don't want to be champions, you can't make them. So yep. just enjoy the journey because they will emerge. I'm a great believer that things emerge, and you've got to give them you've got to give them the environment to emerge. And so you've got to give everybody the opportunity, and that's the coach's job. But whether they do or not, that's going to be their job. You can't. As a coach, I used to worry about losing those players. You know, thinking oh, I wish I'd had that talent and. Um, a guy called Fred Smith who was worked with me, the schoolboys. Fred, I didn't realise because he was a very modest guy, but his wife told me later on he played 10 years in the Premier League in England and he, he played under, um, uh, who was a Liverpool legend, Shankly. He yep. played under Shankly and, and he, he just said to me, I was worried about a particular player. I think, oh, he could be anything. And he said, they're like buses for you. If you miss one, just wait, another one will come, come along. On. And uh, you, don't, you can't make him do it. And that was a good lesson for me when I was a young coach. Because I think that's the question I was going to ask, and you've partly answered it. There is, then what do you do as a coach? You just, like you said, you create the environment where yep. people can give their best if they want to do that. Then, yeah, and you've got to, and you've got to support them. And and if if they're getting better every week, you don't know where they're going to stop. You know, some kids like um, Jimmy Hobbs and Kevin Lewis couldn't, well, didn't play it when they were in high school. Grand Udy, there's three great players. Uh, Paul Micklemore is a yep. fourth one. I've, I've got had the pleasure of coaching those four and are great players. They never played for the school team. Um, and they were, they were little skinny kids. And um, that was a hot side. And they, But the, they grew up. And, yep. and Jimmy Hobbs, Jesus, what a powerhouse. People he, developed, yeah. don't they? Yeah, and, but he didn't, they didn't develop until I was 9 and 20. And um, so I argued when I was in, in staff coach for the state... Um, this picking elite under 11s is a joke, you know, because at 11, 
kids born in January, you've got a year's growth on the kids born in that December. Yeah, that's know? right. It's, and, and kids that mature at a different age. Uh, yeah, it's a waste of money. Burns out good kids and, um, you know, that's, it's, it's more to do with... It's more to do with coaches and committees pumping their own tyres up than doing the right thing for kids. You know? Yeah, that's sometimes uh, lost on people on committees and, and coaches as well. Yeah. You finished up at the Wolves there and then um, sort of spent half a year at oh, Wollongong, the, Macedonia. The, so The magical years at Macedonia, yeah. So half a year. For me, um, uh, my question when you, you sent through the potted history... Um, was it partly in yourself that you wanted to test yourself at state league level as yep. as a senior coach? Absolutely, because yep. you you did have a special group there for yep. a couple of years at, at I, Wolves. I um, I was getting to the stage where um, I was I was oh he's a good kids coach that was the thing and I at this stage I'd done levels and I was um, working for for the New South Wales soccer. Um, putting people through their accreditation and, and uh, every year we'd go down to the Institute of Sport for elite coaching weeks and stuff like that. But uh, I just wanted to, to prove myself and Wollongong Macedonia uh, asked me to apply for the job and I did and uh, that was that was one of the most disappointing times because I had I had the makings of a team. They didn't know they didn't know what they had down there. Um the uh, I had Jamie Warren, Minio Bonatti, uh, Peter Ruskin, and again after the first year there, I reckon I could have got some more great players to come to the club. Um, we started off tough; it was tough to start with. It's that yep. making that that gap, and and it it, um, it was hard. And I bringing in my my thoughts about coaching, uh, and then I remember the first. The last trial game we had, um, this guy come in and he said, oh, I'm ready to play now. And he was one of their old legends. And I said, oh, great, I'll see you Tuesday. He said, oh, I'm playing today. And I said, no, mate, you're not playing today. You know? <laughs> and yeah, this guy um, never trained once. And the reason I got sacked in the end was I didn't play him. And I met some great people at the club, but uh, I had death threats. I had... Um, threats against my family I had the local minister or priest of the the religion ringing me up and you know there was very the infighting in the community was pretty tough and uh, and they brought a couple of uh, guys out from Macedonia and and I, I saw them training you could tell five minutes whether they could play or not they were reasonable but they weren't yep. they weren't better than what we had and I used to do this killer drill where you'd have two on two in possession and they have two minutes on, two minutes off. So you had eight yep. players working. So I put the two new guys in with Minio and Jamie Warren, and not only they touched the ball, the two of the young, and they were the youngest kids in the squad, and they were just brilliant. And they just kept the ball off them. And I said they just spent thousands of dollars on that. Um, that didn't. I probably shouldn't have done that. That didn't go down well politically. Um, you know, players always come first, and. They they were going to sack me once the players went on strike and uh, yeah because earlier yeah, on in the year I think yeah. it was June you, uh, you yeah. did um, they relieved you of your position but earlier on and then yeah. part of their committee resigned and oh it was, that was uh, yeah it was a the, the, the sad part about it was there was so many fantastic people in that club yep um, the they had 
they didn't realise what they had in the squad. They had um, oh, Mark, what's his name, Mark Sweeney, and yep. they some great players and big-hearted players. Um, we played the Wolves. We were in the same division that year, and we drew with the Wolves. So, just, you know, so it was yeah, the potential was there, and um, and that was a disappointment because they they worked hard, and um, yeah, it was, that was really disappointing in the end. Phil Murphy used to ring him every, every day. He goes, Tack it for an hour, I'll let you know, Phil, I'll let you know. <laughs> and on the Friday night, they, they wanted me to resign because they had a proud history of never sacking a coach. And they'd already appointed Peter Willis, and I said, guys, if you don't appoint me, I'm going out there to coach, and I'm coming Sunday, so you've got to make up your mind. And they said, oh, okay, you're sacked. Said, That's all we had to do. And yep. Was it. Yeah. No, I would, I would never walk away from that. You know, I wouldn't have walked away from the, from the players. I was quite happy to walk away from the from the infighting and but the players, the players have given me everything, and they they deserve more. Yeah. So the the following year, um, you then come to Bulleye, and yeah. and that 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 in itself, um, oh, another controversy was it, yeah because Norm Flanagan had had a successful yeah. period there. Um, yeah. So how did that come about that um, the committee come and approach you? Um, well, because I, I, I don't after this I, first yeah. forty minutes, I didn't see you knocking on clubs' doors saying, Have you got a job? Have you got a job? No, I I I um I decided I wanted to keep coaching and uh I was going going overseas for taking the family overseas the first time and um there's three jobs in the paper and I'd some of some of the board people talked to me and I just applied for the three of them it was Tarawana, Fernell and Balambi. Uh, and Buller and um and I just said, this is what I want, which was not much. And um, and first one who says yes, because I'm going away on Sunday and I just want to know, I'm tied up because I'll be away for the period of time when the jobs yep. are going around. And yeah, the reason Bulloy, I felt sorry for Bulloy in the sense that Norm wouldn't tell him. Um, and if Norm had a said, yeah, I want a coach, he'd have been there. Yep. Um, he didn't want to tell him. And I know that, uh, well, to, despite what anyone else says, um, Anyhow, they, the boy come around, oh, Tarawana gave me a ring on the Saturday morning and um, said, oh, would you take a different deal? And I said, no, look, guys, I just, this is the deal. I'm happy to coach at any of the clubs because they're all sort of clubs I like, yep. you know, and just people, knew the people, it's good. And uh, he said, I'll get back to you later. And then boy come around and told me, you've got the job, but don't tell anybody. Yep. Which is like a waste of time. Oh. Uh, yeah. And because when I left, uh, mum kept the papers because I said to I I, I um, didn't want them to know I was out of, away from the house because you know it's yeah. like I'm overseas well that's somewhere to go and, and break into but uh, yeah that was pretty controversial and that made my start a boy when I came back I went to the they asked me to go to the presentation night for the, for the season yeah. and asked me to say something to the boys and uh, yeah that, that was a Really uh, pleasant experience, but I <laughs> I knew like I knew Jock was there, Jock Hamilton was there, yep. and I knew a lot of the old guys, and a lot of people didn't know that I that was my home club. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I was just a point I made. I was sort of coming home, um, but I lost a lot of players. I, I think one of the one of the um, couple of the committee men threw their life memberships away, and and a lot of the players like Michael Grew and a few of those guys that went to Fernal with Norm. So I lost a, a lot of players and. Um, I brought a few in, um, and the first half half season, 
uh, we were down the bottom. I thought we were bottom. I think we, I thought we were, but we were down the bottom. And that was the year the club had flooded. So yep. we got permission to play all our away games for the first round. And um, and I was changing the style I played because, it, you know, I, I liked the players to play the ball and not just play force and spec, and, which was the old way. You know, yep. you can just chase everything down and play in their half and that, that works sometimes if you've got it, it's all you've got but I had good players and they could play and um, I remember we played Cringilla and we got beat by the odd goal down Cringilla and I just said to the blokes I said we can win the comp because it was compacted yep. it was, we were, even though we were that far down we weren't that far away yep. it was compacted and all of a sudden they were playing all they wanted to play and they were a few of the younger ones like Robbie Boomine that were starting to grow up into their physical yep. and got used to the pace Maturing, and, and yep. it's a good it's a good standard you know people underrate it it's a it's quick and it's it's good um and then we just had a dream run and we won the league it was uh yeah it was because uh, fig tree had it all all sewn up and i ended up working with a guy called rick Badini at marconi and rick was playing for picton that day he said, oh, yeah, I remember that. He said, oh, yeah. They said, oh, let's just go and kick him to death <laughs> for the last game. And Victory should have beat him. And they just had a... It was the last time they were together at Picton and they just had a ball and they, they won. So we ended up winning. So that was fantastic. I guess in uh, your mind, um, and and uh, I think the Phil Murphy article sort of said as much, you know, you had that sort of tag. Um, and then after what happened at Macedonia, you could sort of finally... Um, sort of tell the public well I'm not just a kids coach yeah this yeah, is yeah. the Premier League here and this is first grade and so we and whatever yeah. you think um after the way we yeah. started well I've won the league so yeah. with these blokes so yeah. no I, I never, never had a problem with players I don't think I was um other people used to you, you've got to be really careful I remember saying once that um I I you know I said oh you know I well, I'm always trying to improve, and it was up at Parkley with all the elite coaches. And I said, oh, you know, we really have trouble picking up the pattern of the game quickly. And all of a sudden, oh, you can't read the game. And I, I thought, I thought long and hard about it, and I, I keep things to myself a fair bit. But a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, patterns are not easy to see in yep. sport. And at halftime, if you 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 see coaches saying, "I want you to do this," and "I want you to do that," and you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. I think about eight, nine kids I've coached in my life, and it's just across the whole lot of levels I've coached at, can translate that onto the park. They've got enough now to do what you want them to do. Most players play by instinct. So if you want them to play a certain way, you've got to do it at training. Yep. And you've got to do it so it becomes their instinct to do rather than because where they're so hyped up and they're so focused that they, they don't think on the ball. Yep. And this is a, a myth that goes around... A few coaches I've, I've worked with that I've thought, when I first heard them talk, thought, oh, that's impressive. And you hear the talk, the same talk every day in the in the change room, you realise that it's not noughts and crosses and it's not that easy. If you're coaching Liverpool, Man City or Barcelona, yeah, well, they yep. can all do it. You know, yes. It's a whole different ball game. And, uh, but... But when you lose, you've got to work with the kids you've got, and you've got to know what, what that, their abilities are, and you've got to know as a coach to, like I said, the environment. You you make your training environment what you want to reflect for the weekend, and that's so the habit forming starts yeah, on Tuesdays yeah, and Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. And you and patterns, are, 
one of the things coaches do, and I do it, you say stop and now have a look what's going on here. But even in that situation, which way is this player running? Has this player just been, has he just fell over and he's trying to track back? You know, <laughs> that, it's a good idea to teach, teach players what should be, but it's a bad idea to criticise teams in the middle of the game. Yep. And saying, you see, uh, they stop it on SBS and they say, look at this guy, look at this guy, look at this yep. guy. You don't know where they come from. You don't know what the pace is. Yeah, there's is no you, context you, to it. It's, it's, and then, and it's, it sounds good. And unless you think about it, they say, oh, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, right. Eh? Yeah. Get out and get a job coaching instead of doing the noughts and crosses on the TV. It's you easy know? to yeah. talk the talk. Yeah, and it's, um, it's ah, the possible, like I said, if, you've, if you had Liverpool, you could do it. <laughs> so, so there must have been great... Um, personal pride and satisfaction in that yeah. in that eighty eight year to yeah, um, achieve what you did with a new group of players. Um, it's it's funny because it's um, and you hear this a lot. Every time you win a big a big thing, it's almost like it's a letdown because it's the journey is more important and, and you yeah. sort of you're supposed to be celebrating and and I used to say oh you're already planning the next year to a coach but yeah. I think it's that you've you've it's the journey that's more important, and and I think there's always a bit of a, a letdown for people when they've won it. Everybody's celebrating, but you sort of inside going, "Oh, that was that was good." But um, what am I going to do next week? Because yeah. I haven't got this thing to go to. Well, you start another one, but you know what yep. I mean. It's that that it's culmination of what you've achieved in the year, and that uh, yeah, I had a lot of satisfaction. But I was reasonably confident about my ability to coach then, anyhow. So I um, always. Uh, that's not a big note of myself, but I I really worked hard um, to think about coaching, to think about organising people, and uh, that's been part of my career. Even um, now, I've I work with schools with kids with severe behavioural problems, and I work with creating learning environments in schools that are. Um, it's it's the same. We all we all end up. We're born with a certain amount of abilities, and you know the, your DNA comes in. But everybody grows in the environment they're in, yeah. and um, that. And in football clubs, you look at the successful clubs. The environment, like Bulleye, which has always been a family club, it's always, you know, I've had great times with them, and I've had less than great times with them. Um, and uh, but they've they've got an environment, and um, that that's everywhere. And um, you've got to look after environment, and then people will, will develop in the environment. environment. So I guess um, you then had another a couple more years there. Yep. Um, probably victory or our, our nemesis. nemesis yeah, there. and I, I coached half the victory team too. That was that was nice. No, they were good. Uh, and later on, Port become the nemesis and. The difference between with that when I was with Olympic, and the difference was Minio Bonatig in those days too. He's one of my, he's one of my best players I ever coached, and uh, he's a good player. Yeah. At this point in time, though, when and when we first started the interview, you were um, was it coaching your son in eighty six. Oh, with... that was I was really coaching then. I just I didn't want to coach him. Because... So you were, I guess, there's sort of you've got maybe three or four seasons. In these years, you know, you're coaching senior football. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, um, whatever that was, Wolves yeah. Youth, Macedonia, Bulleye, you, yeah. you're coaching Bulleye under 10s. part-time, yeah. only sort of yeah. maybe 
maybe a month or two, the CHS team, yep. the school side, and then yep. a junior team. Yep. There's a real appetite there for it. Yeah, and I used to also coach a local the school basketball team in the Friday night comp. And yep. so I was, but I also had the back of me mind, okay, if I want to do this job, I want to you you get experience per game. And I thought as many games as I get under my belt, well, the, the more I'll be. That you develop as well. The more you. you when you've got to solve a problem, you learn something. You know, you're going to solve more problems by playing more often because there's no perfect game. So there's no yeah. end, you know, I'm there and I can do this. You've always got something to learn. So there's a real, I guess, um, passion being involved, like you said, at training. Yep. And yeah. then and then game day is part of the process. Yeah. But, but that training yeah. in itself yeah. was a big buzz for you. Oh, yeah. And coaching never boots playing. You know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Playing, best. You know, you see the poor old coaches after the game. You know, and the players are so ten minutes later they care. You know, <laughs> they just they kick on, and that's how it should be. You know, yeah. you don't want them to. But uh, no. Nah, but I enjoyed training, and yeah, I just like being around people, just um, and 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 teaching kids. And the other thing you try to teach them is like have quality in yourself as a person. You know, yep. it's um. It's as important to, to conduct yourself in a in a, a positive way as as not you know. So, how did um, your time at Bulleye? How did that end? Was that oh, just a transition I, between you and the committee, or something? I, I had, think something a, had transpired. It was a transition, I think. Well, I, I, um, I, we just finished up, but I, they, I knew I was gone because they uh, they decided. Um, because I had so much success there, and of course the players I think supported me, they they formed this subcommittee uh, to 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 evaluate the coach or something like that. So I knew I was going. You knew the writing. Oh, well. absolutely. Uh, but I made him. I made him tell me that you know I was yeah. going to walk away. But I'd already um, I'd already beforehand been talking to Mark Haney and uh, so I knew I was going to Mark Haney so it didn't really matter um, I but I often wonder if they hadn't have, I think I probably would have stayed at Bulleye you know yep. I, I enjoyed it that much it was because Mark Haney started off as a different job it started off as director of coaching so I oversaw all their youth they had southern districts in Mark Haney so there's a lot of teams and I took after the coaches and then I let my main job was the under 20 side yeah, and that had Steve Corriker and Schwartzer and oh, what a sight. Um, well, I still reckon I'd back the Wollongong team against them. The Wollongong team had a special quality yep. about them. Um, but that was a pleasure to you know. And you had Harry Kuehl and Young Paul. Young kid called Paul Reed was as good as Harry, absolutely yep. up till about sixteen. And Harry, he he could go to lose because he had a passport, and Rudy was about the fifth generation, so he couldn't. Couldn't, he couldn't get that, go. Um, but he's also an extremely intelligent kid, you know. But, um, so I worked there, and then the end uh, with with Bertie Mariani the first two years, and then I was, it was wasn't long before I was working with Bertie with the first grade and putting the squads together. Lots of the times or separating, and that was that was good. And then uh, and uh, Bertie, uh, an interesting character. I would consider him a great friend. He's a shady character. I don't know where I haven't seen him. Where I'd not hear of me. He wasn't a good coach. He I used to call the defence to sieve. I'd say I'd say to him, Bertie, what if what if he gets beaten? We've got no cover. Oh no no no. Oh, it was it was hilarious. And he and he, but he had a gun side. 
Yeah, because um, they were and their best yeah. eras oh, as well. Tommy McCulloch, and, yeah, they were fantastic. Bobby Catlin was in goal, and they. I'd be going out after after half time, going, and you'd hear them telling us, "No, no, don't, don't, this is what we've got to do." You know, they, <laughs> they were good enough. But the third year, um, uh, a lot of those had moved on, and um, he, he had some good young kids. But that's when he got found out, and he, he wasn't up to the job. Um, so how did you enjoy that time? Because oh, um, uh, that's one of the, the premier clubs in the NSL at the oh, time. Yes, it must have been a buzz as a coach, and then you, you're was, looking after yeah, coaches as yeah, well as... It was a great job. It was um, uh, it was just really... The, the soccer part of it was professional. They had a, they had a full-time manager. Um, yep. it, was, uh, it was just... It was excellent, you know. You'd have meals after the game, and it was all very professional. Um, and I really liked working with the players. And then when Frank came in, Frank Eric came in. Um, that was that was funny because when he first came in, he wanted to bring his own mob with him and because yeah. I was there and I had a I was going well with Marconi, and they they weren't going to let me go. And eventually, he decided that yeah, we were going to have to work together and uh, at. Uh, we, he, finally we had the meeting where he said, I know, and I don't want you guys, your job's not to win anything, yours is to produce players for me in the, in the standard talk you get. Yep. I said, oh, that's really good, Frank. I said, let's go through the squad and see what we're going to cut. And I read out the president's son first. <laughs> so we got that one out of the way. That, that wasn't going to happen. And uh, they had a really good time with Frank. He's, him and Eddie Thompson, the two coaches that I really admired for totally different reasons. Eddie Thompson was such a professional and such a good soccer brain. I guess the rest of us only have a, I guess, a media perception of of these guys oh, and, yeah, and what we're yeah. told. So, yeah, tell us a bit more about oh, Frank. Oh, Frank, Frank, Frank. I can remember one night I was sitting on the bench and, and you know, they used to come and they'd take the close-ups of him and he'd say, watch this, and he'd be sitting there watching the game. And, I was like, <laughs> and he was, and then he sits back down again. He, But he was, um, he was brave I've never seen a coach as brave as him. He, when he first got there, JP, John Paul Marini, who was a highly established player, wasn't doing what Frank wanted, you know. And yeah, so Frank drops him. So JP, you can't drop me. So they had this big standoff, and then JP going to talk to the committee, and, and, and after about four weeks, JP, he's on board. He, he had he's probably his best year, and but Frank... And he also said, I said, you know, he's costing us. And he said, don't worry about losing. With this squad, don't worry about losing the first games because if we lose the first games, if we win the first games, they're expecting us to win. But if we lose the first games, then we can look good. Yep. And so he said, you do all that all that stuff you've got to sort out, do it, sort it out early. early. And um, he and he, we, was, we were watching a junior game and uh, Tallay was in the under-16. He's in the southern district side, which was the second tier in the old uh, way that's set up and he said he'll play first grade before the end of the year and I thought well, that, that is a core cool. I mean you could tell how good Uffy was yeah. he, he was a fantastic yeah, player talented. but uh, I thought that's a big call in this club because you had uh, Gabriel Mendez and you had players at Luke Castley and all these kids who weren't playing first grade at the time talented people yeah, and he said no he'll play first grade and he put him on and uh, he, he played him and he, he dropped him for the finals because he said no he's not ready for the finals yet but that'll do him good and two years later I think it was the next year they sold him to Galatasaray for yeah. heaps of money um, and what a good kid he's back there I believe um, Barry Salisbury's son 
who uh, I taught and um, I, I, I run into him with Alan Mangles at Christmas time yeah. and um, and we were talking and uh, Ulfie was down in Canberra and his son was playing in Alan's uh, in uh, Craig well, that's um, Barry's grandson's right. team and I said, I said, I said say good day to him and he, he, he said it when he got back he said that he's gone and he's working at um, Sydney FC with Stevie Corica oh wow so yeah so there's two of my boys up there and good on fingers crossed I hope Steve Steve's such a nice nice kid I'll tell you a story about him um, one one at training one night he's saying everything Bimby does just tell him this crap you know just say God, what are you doing that for? <laughs> so I said oh Frank he's not the sort of kid like that you've got to you've got to pump him up a bit he said, "Nah." He said, "Is that good that he's going to be playing against players, and they can if we can, if he's if he's, he's not telling us to where to go, those players will kill him. We've got to get him to tell tell us where to go, yep, and have enough self confidence. So Frank could just abuse him, <laughs> and that and that's what Frank could do, and he he could do that, and he was just a he was a great coach. So and when you when you say brave, he was brave in many ways. Oh, absolutely, and he he didn't he would do what was good for for Steve. Um, even though Steve must have hated his guts while he was doing it, he at just, face value, you know, it didn't seem that way. It, oh no, he was. What am I doing? You know, like. And, but Frank could do that, and uh, yeah, and he oh, he just he was so passionate about Australia. He's it was, it was like, and it's funny because Eddie took over from him. Um, yep. you could see the writing on the wall then. But Eddie was a good coach, and really, he could he could have coached in England, no problem at all. I said to him once, I said, oh, I really like to go and spend. 12 months in England, you know, at a, at a club. And he said, what for? He said, they don't do anything we don't do. Yep. And Jamie Warren, he, he played Flamengo for a year and his dad went over and uh, he showed, he, he videoed a whole training session the first time and he gave it to me to have a look at it. And there's only one drill we weren't doing. And that was the drill where they was jumping up, heading the ball that was on a string, which was a waste of time in here. Yeah. So there's no secrets. It's just, you know, you've got more people playing and they got, you know, They've got a culture in outside. We we compete against league and AFL. you name it. Yeah. So that time at Mayakoni, um, um, you know, in terms of uh, the people you're involved with and the setup, it, it must have uh, been one of one of your highs in terms of a coaching sense that you yep. you really uh, I guess learnt a great deal, but you also yep. uh, had input um, at different levels. So oh, that must yeah, have yeah. been satisfying. That was, that was, um, and in the end, with both uh, Birdie and Frank, I was part of the first grade coaching squad, and that was it was good. And um, and they they'd listen to you. You know, you say, "Well, why don't we try this or why don't we try that?" And you know, it was really, really good. More so, Frank. So you're really more you weren't yeah, an, yeah. an assistant. It was a colleague, yeah, and yeah. and you're working with them. Yeah, I remember um, we was playing the Wolves one night and Matty Horsley has just started up and I said to Tommy McCulloch, I said, just watch this kid. I said, you might think you're past him, he'll be around your ankles. And, and he just sort of was really dismissive because Matty was just a kid yeah. then. And at half time I said, really, Jesus, where did he come from? <laughs> you go past Matty and he was back there. Yeah, oh, what a player. What a player. He was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think um, Tommy... Um it was either I think it was 2000. He had a year with Balgiani and oh, yeah. and the committee brought him down and um, he was just so great to watch. He was obviously in the, the very much of the twilight of his oh, career, but what a gentleman and yeah, um, yeah. nice man. And um, I think he uh, his partner and they would come down and then you know everything yeah. he did was whether yeah. it be training or whatnot. It was just a professional. And then funnily enough, on a triple A, you know, um, he had us probably about a group of ten blokes and. 
we should have been drinking and partying yeah. on, but he was just sort of telling us, you know, what makes a good player yeah, and, like, and yeah. he wasn't that great. And then it was just hard work and, and doing a yeah. bit extra in the t- in a game for yourself and your teammates. So. Yeah, he was, he was well, they've good people. Just about all the people who make the top are good people. You get a few... Paul Chops? Yeah, you get a but few. Not many. But they're, they're born with natural gifts that they don't really deserve, but there's not many and they don't last. You know, they, they're, they're real good. And uh, Mark Schwartz, a gentleman, absolute gentleman, hardest working player I've ever seen in my life. Um, and he was the, we were, he, he was at Marconi and Kalich and Bosnich were at Sydney United. There's a kilometre away, you've got the three yeah. keepers for the next 15 years of Australia in the same age group. But I... I always knew Schwartz would be the one that'd come out on top because the others didn't work near, As and they could talk heaps better than Schwartz, but they couldn't play better than him. Yeah. So that that time there uh, ended with Marconi, and then um, it, it seems you had a, maybe a year or so off, yeah, and then, year, then you went to yeah. MacArthur. So what what happened at Marconi? Oh, uh, that was uh, the, the, the president's son. Um, in the end, they we went to play St George and. I, I met them at the game and uh, the manager hadn't hadn't brought the team shirts so they sacked me because the team shirts hadn't been brought by the manager but Harry, I was talking to Frank later he said I, one, they wanted to get rid of him but they could get rid of me and two, I wasn't picking. I would get directed to take someone like Luke Castley who ended up playing the Australian Olympic team yep. off to put the president's son on and um, and I just I kept refusing to do it, uh, not refusing. When when Frank told me to do it, I'd do it because I worked for him. Yep. But I wouldn't pick him at the start of the game, and uh, that was what it was about. Uh, I got stopped a couple of times in the club and was told it's like we're on Macedonia with that guy. If I uh, I was told if I picked him once, if you acquiesced and if done I picked it? him once in first grade, they'd give me a two-year contract. But I guess there's uh, coaching well, yeah. principles and well, ethics that you want to... You teach your kids ethics by modelling ethics. You don't teach them by telling them what to do. They watch you. They watch everything you do. And that's and it's like all kids watch their parents. They watch everybody. And, and that's that environment you're creating yeah, as you've well. Yeah, you And you can't, you can't betray them. You know, don't worry about betraying yourself. You don't, yep. don't betray them. You know, It's like playing golf now. You call shots on yourself, even though no one, you know no one's seen it. Yep. But you still call them on yourself because yep. you know you know. And that's... Yeah. So that, I think um, John Fleming, uh, off the record, had a, a couple more. He was very diplomatic when we did record the interview, but told me a couple other ones where he did get sacked. But that's a new one that I've heard about uh, a team manager not bringing the shirts. As a, yeah, oh, that, was, uh, that was so... so it, it sounds bizarre. I never, I never, thought, I never bought the shirts before. Uh, yeah, you know, so, but then, yeah. Yeah, for a, you know an NSL club, and then um, oh, it was, you know, yeah, yeah it was uh, a, a professional setup, like yeah. you said, in terms of diet and coaching oh, and the setup, yeah, and then yeah, just it was, it was be things like a procedural it, mistake from someone could, else. The things I could tell you that I would end up in court over that I knew no went on at that club. They had a Senate inquiry. They found heaps of things in the Senate inquiry. Nobody ever acted on them, but you know yeah. it was it was um, a different world. On the park with the players, where that was my yep. world, and that was fine. I, I didn't want to get involved in the other world. I remember one meeting they had, and the president come in, and it was like he said, "There's been talk about X or Y, and it will stop." And we, we were having a dinner, and he just walked in, "It'll stop," and it stopped. And it was just like, "Yep, I've spoken now. Nothing will happen." 
<laughs> yep, right over to Slough. Lucky I wasn't at that level, but uh, yeah, you could see it, it was an interesting place. So you had a, a year or so off, and then uh, we're yeah, at. Yeah, MacArthur Rams came and saw me. Um, yep. They offered me, if I do the director coaching for 12 months, they'd give me first grade the next year, because I'd done some coaching courses down there, um, the level twos. And that was a sort of introduction to them as a club. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they, so I went and did the, but I I said to the coach now, the current coach now, and I said, yeah, he knows. And I went and spoke to him because I I was going to work there and going to have his job next year and he didn't know about it. Um, And he was, I don't know whether he was fine or not, but he knew. And so I did the first year as a director of coaching, which is sort of a, was all right. It was um, there wasn't much talent there, and uh, but nice people, good committee. And the end of the year, Casey had a fallen out with um, New South Wales Federation, and he he come and uh, offered him a much better deal than I could give him in time wise because I was working, and um, he he gave him a better deal. So they gave him the job, and then to placate me, they they paid me money to go and scout teams, which was really it's it just conscious money, you know. So yep. I just go and watch the team they play next week and give them a report and I end up going to training with them because I, I like Casey and I could learn from him um, I don't I don't coach like Casey but I I think you've got to be true to your personality and Casey yep. had a certain style and um, he was successful but, but he played the same, like I said before, he played the same every week was the same pattern and yep. I remember we was playing we was playing Lysards when he was at Lysards and I think I was boy and I knew Casey's style because we'd done it Parkley was doing level three, so he yep. knew how he played. And all we did was mark the fullbacks. And I said, just mark the fullbacks and let give the ball to Holofield. I think was a play. Let him go to the let him go to the centre circle. Then they they won't know what to do. And they were confused as just because <laughs> they played down the you know either side. They had a certain pattern. So you go and mark that fullback, and you mark that fullback, and they were four. You just go and mark them. <laughs> no one touch him, and let him run the halfway. And then then they've got a then they got ad lib, and they didn't know how to ad lib because they had that structure all the cool. time. So, uh, you know that that's Casey's very structured, and um, oh, but still nothing but respect for him. Yeah, that, uh, different, different than uh, like I'd say if you to the centre, the back defenders. Look, you work out whether it's um, if they're playing three or one or whatever. You you'll see it before me. You make the adjustment. We'll talk about it after if I think you've done the wrong thing. But yeah. you're going to see it first, and you know how to adjust. If they're doing this, this is what we do. And um, and you've got players that got to know how to do that anywhere. That's know, right. Something happens, you know. So uh, that's you know like you've said before, you give people the environment, and and I guess uh, part of the environment yeah. is giving them the ability to make their own decisions oh, and, because yeah, they need trust, to and trusting them. Because yeah, yep. of course they're, they're going to make the decisions for you. You know, once once they run out there, not much you can do. That's know. right. They're still legs still moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You finished up there uh, in terms of scouting, and then um, I guess was it was it was it more? You then had a, a stint there at Olympic, and um, yeah, you Olympics, know, Olympic was come. second there. So Olympic um, again, I got a call and asked me to put in for it, so I put in for it, and. Um, Oh, and it's, as an aside, I've got to say this. So I worked with uh, Derek Henderson and um, Dale Jones were two guys I worked with right through the Illawarra's years, um, and they come with me to Olympic too. But um, uh, Derek got played with, and Dale, 
Dale was a sprint coach at Winona Surf Club, and one day he asked me to, because I taught his kids, um, Dale Jr. and Glenn, are both excellent athletes, and um, he said, we'd come and do a session with the boys for me. I, yeah, I went down and, I, and he said, oh, how much do I owe you? I said, no, you don't owe me anything. I said, what you owe me is you've got to come and do a sprint session now with, with Bulloy. I think it was mm-hmm. Bulloy or Blamby, I forget. No, I think it was Bulloy, yeah. Anyhow, he came and he stayed, and uh, he used to do all my physical work, and Derek was just always with me all the way. I think I had a, a year, he had a year at Balgownie Dale. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, he def- was, I think he went, did he go with Gus? Not Masters? Or yeah, no. I remember him there. Yeah. I was there, say ninety four, no, ninety five, and yeah, he only it. spent a year there. And Excellent. nice guy, and doing the, all the drills, and running, and Kenya, yeah. especially yeah. preseason. Yeah. yeah, so, but anyhow, um, I went to Olympic, um, and they had struggled the year before, and a bit like Bulloy, um, I'd, a lot of players left. Little Georgie, what's his name? Uh, Anthony. Yeah, George, yep. and they, they all left the club, and. Uh, but I, I got a good squad together, and um, after. After getting them used to what we were going to do, they, they had a, we had a good year. We got done. Um, we lost Phil Kerr before the grand final, and um, and uh, Minio Bonatic beat us. We 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 got done by Port by a goal in the grand final. Because um, that's who uh, I think you were one or two points behind them in the yeah, league. Yeah, we, I think we come second in the league. because so uh, they were an extremely strong team. Oh, Port, yeah, that was excellent side and um and uh yeah so then the next year i even got a stronger squad together and um we had a oh, horror run of injuries but a lot of the boys had come back and um they wanted to play first grade and uh that, so there was that that issue too but um yeah that, i was disappointed but um at that time I'd, I'd been promoted in my work to a big high school principal yep. a big high school and I couldn't do the standard that I would be happy with at a, a, at a club, yep. um, and and do the job at work. Um, I couldn't do that, so I, I had to give something that to give. And I, I, was, I went with the school because that's what I do for a living. When I was at Mark Carney, I was a, a principal of a school for kids with severe behaviours, and um, that was less. It was very stressful. In the sense that these kids were, you know, about eighteen of them got done for murder. You know, it was at that level. Um, yep. And uh, the at work was stressful. I didn't have as much administration work. I didn't have as much the other sort of thing you do in a big school. Um, yep. So and going at that's when I was at Marconi and a, a bully, I think, but working with elite athletes or highly successful, highly motivated people of a night was a really good balance to what I'd done during the day yep. and I could do it but as soon as I got to a big high school then uh, it wasn't fair on someone I was either going to do half a job someone was missing out I'd do two half jobs or do one probably so it was uh, it was sad and I, I I made lots and lots of friends but I never felt like I belonged anywhere so I haven't followed the team or haven't yep. come back and watched I really pleased the Super Bowl in it last year I, I've never met Matt Barley but uh Heard great things about him and uh, you know, Paul Micklemore's my cousin's son, and yep. we, we had a get together the other a while ago, and I was talking to Paul and and I said, "How's Matty going?" And he said, "Oh, he's top top bloke." He said he knew him; they were friends, and yep. yeah, and if his friend of my, uh, Paul's, he'd be a good kid. Um, so I was really pleased for Bulloy because they've been close so many times, and they're they're good coaches, and they've got a good committee. They're they're right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great setup there. 
Yeah, they had the foresight to put the um, the uh, childcare centre in. That they, oh, that that committee that put that together, that was amazing. Yeah, it took some. Uh, it took yeah. more than a leap of faith, that's for oh, sure. Yeah. But um, amazing committee. Some smart individuals there. Yeah. So you finished at Olympic, yeah. and then um, you know, um, I think they uh, relieved you of a the position. But it's funny, funny how. Um, um, I guess I've been on the committee at, at Bagiani for for a while now, um, maybe 13, 14 years, and I, I don't. I think we might have had to have. I think we had um, a, a coach early on, and and that well, we had to get rid of him just because we couldn't afford to keep him. Yeah, um, <laughs> rather than um, yeah. some of these uh, other selection well, criterion or or whatnot yeah. that or well, missing yeah, team yeah. shirts or whatever. You, but you've got to. Um you got to realise that every every guy I say comes from my perspective too. There's oh, definitely. Another side of the story. But uh, when I was a young coach, someone said, oh, I heard somewhere, you're not a real coach, so you've been sacked. So <laughs> I, I thought I'd end up being a fantastic coach. <laughs> <laughs> Based on that criteria, yeah. And so I guess um, uh, after that, um, there was no, uh, I guess serious positions that you've taken but no, there was other things that you were doing in terms of um, coaching coaches no I, I really cut the lot then um, I uh, yeah I just I I didn't mind being a staff coach and I, and I used to like going down the Institute of Sport and um, but I always liked coaching a team not coaching coaches uh, yep. and I could have I could have done that, I'd guess, but uh, I'm not the sort of bloke that'll go out and teach people how to kick a ball every night the same thing. Yep. It's um, I look at golf pros. I play with a golf now. I look at golf pros. And I go, oh, he's a golf pro. And after about ten weeks of sitting in the shed selling, <laughs> you know, you know, selling clubs and getting people to tee off, it can't be stimulating. So, mm. um, so you did a, a bit of. Uh sort of during the this career as well, a bit of football riding. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Was that a bit of a passion or you just saw a need there? Oh, I've always been a rider. Uh, not always. I, I, um, I thought there's a need there and uh, I, I, I was really happy with the off the bench. I've got some um, old ones there. I used to write for the Soccer Weekly. Yep. And uh, just a little column from coach's point of view. And then when I was uh, working with the Wolves, I thought I was trying to get the Wolves in the district all together, yep. um, and so I got all the clubs to just phone me and it's always about the juniors, that works juniors results, and I try and make a little column for the advertiser and yep. and give the kids a bit of a, you know... Bump up their tires. Oh, yeah, we'll make them feel like... People love it. Yeah, kids yeah. love that. Well, and they're, they're your future, so... But, and I thought it was good that, you know, you try to get that connection because we'll all worry... Oh. As much as I love it, and I do love it, and as, as much as it's just a talent pool, they couldn't get their act together if their life depended on it. When, when they had the Steelers, they could have the Steelers, the Wolves and the Hawks. They could put them under one administrative body. Yep. The Steelers club across the road would have yep. thrived, and they're all at the same venue. You know, like it would have been... You could have the same physios, you could have professional physios, conditioners. You Logistically, could have, yeah. The same it would have been perfect. Squad. And I've always thought that you, you've got your lower district, your district goes into a state league tie inside, yep. and the state league side goes in the 
to the walls, and they're all registered to make that change. Change. Um, that we can call people, or you can put people back into to play in the state league. You, you, you know, the guys who are on the fringe. Yep. You know, we could have done that. And we could, you couldn't even get the juniors to get to, with the seniors. And Bull, I can remember. Bull, the seniors wanted to get the juniors. And when I was there, I used to get the, you know, go and see the juniors and say, Give me one of your teams every home for a while. There we did it at yep. um, home game, and we'd take the under 11s. And as soon as reserve grade went off, um, first grade go go into the change room, and I'd get the kids to come in for 15 minutes. Yep. And who's the centre forward? You go and sit with them. They'd sit and talk to the kids while they're getting their boots ready and stuff yep. like that. And then then they had to go, with, and they'd got free tickets and all that sort of stuff. And kids' eyes are like that. Yeah, the first great team and it leaves a great impression, doesn't oh, it? Oh yeah, and yeah, you know that was in. I've been a great believer that's in a sanctum, and nobody goes in the first grade squad. When the first grade squad's in a room, nobody's yep. allowed in except who people who should be there. Yep. Because I want everybody in reserve grade to want to be in that room. That's you know? right. Yeah. So that, but the kids could go in there. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. You you haven't been um, uh, sort of involved anywhere for a. For a period no, now. No, do, no. You, do you miss it? Oh, I miss it massively, yeah. I miss it um, a lot. Uh, I, I, I know I, I just miss, miss working with kids. I miss the atmosphere. I even miss the happen to... It's, it's something that when you, when you finish work, one of the really important things is to have a purpose. And um, I, I, write, I do a lot of writing um, books on education and... Um, and, and articles, and I've I've got a little bit of do a bit of work consulting um, with schools, but uh, it's 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 sort of you've got to have a purpose. And yep. when you retire, that's really important to have a purpose. And uh, you know, I don't want to be just waiting for the inevitable. You know, yep. you know I don't I don't want to rust. You know, I can wear out, but I don't want to rust. So I play golf, which is. Yeah, that's all right. I play golf, but you know, you give me a choice between doing that or something with a bit of purpose. And I do. I never travel because of uh, my involvement in the sport. It was I never travelled much, and um, yep. I uh, I've been doing a bit of travelling now, so that's been interesting. But again, it's it's marking time, you know. Yeah. And uh, you, you've got to. And like I said, there's no natural place I'd belong. So um, that's that that would you know I'd probably join a committee if I, if there was a place where I felt yeah this is my my club or my whatever I do so so that's um but it's all right I'm getting by and I'm in, enjoying riding and uh, uh you know I'm off to Hong Kong soon to do some work with education over there so you know so it's, you get more recognition outside of Australia than you do inside of Australia so that's that's usual so the um I guess as a coach, because some of us, um, when we, um, as you said, you you could ask other people about what happened at different clubs no, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's the same as well when when we're looking at a at a like a district and and different clubs and whatnot and why things yeah. have happened. We we don't necessarily look at a I guess a, a coach's trajectory or arc yeah. in the sense that. You know, some of these things that you did were were um, the jobs that you did. You you put your heart into, but yeah. some of them were based on your own ambitions, yeah, and, oh, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, whether yeah. it was um, Marconi or 
from yeah. going from a, a great Wolves youth team to Wollongong Macedonia. So yeah. I think we all, well, I know I do sometimes because you're just thinking about, I guess, the, either the club or, or more yeah. so players. But, you know, I guess you yourself, you've tested the waters where you wanted to coach yeah. from a coaching yeah. perspective. You, oh, yeah. you haven't yeah. done anything that yeah, there's nothing still on the bucket coaching. No, list. no, no, no. I, um, no, I, I, the thing I would have loved to have done um, would have been, and I could have done it with a couple of places. I reckon I could have done it well. Was leave me the team, have a have a senior coach, just leave me the team, and you talk to you talk to the papers, you talk to all the other things that yep. that just, just that I'm not good at, and um, just leave me with. Is that the white team. noise? And you just yeah, I well, it, it's it's politics and. Yep. Um, I don't think I've been successful in that field, and uh, and I, you know, you know, it's just I just love playing. I love coaching the the players, and I yep. and watching them and and getting close. You know, the, it's it's like a coach has got to have a relationship with with the team, and it's a bit like teachers. They also our relationships the most important thing. But if you're the coach, and if it's the uh, you're a teacher. It's a one-way relationship. Yeah. You can't expect anything from the player. The player doesn't owe you a thing, but you owe the player. You owe you, the relationship is what you provide for the player yep. and what they need. But as a coach, if you're wanting want them to give you something, then you're in the wrong job. Yep. Uh, but I think a lot of people stay there so they they get that you know sort of reflected glory but if you're going to be a serious coach you, you the relationship's all one way you look after the players and you provide for their needs and that's education and you know sometimes yep. they need a bit of TLC and sometimes they need a rocket but you know yep. that's your job but don't want something back from them and that's um that's something I think there's uh keeps kept me in good stead and it's always been that way but in the end you get friendships and that but yep. I mean professionally that's just a byproduct on the job that's that's your job yep and what i've noticed uh with my uh, young boys um and i'm not a great coach or i give them too much feedback as kids but what i love at the start of a, a junior season and um i never really reflected on it in a senior sense but i, I love seeing the first game um, or first training session, and then seeing them at the end of the yeah, year, yeah. and just seeing that progression. So, as a coach, do you really love that because oh, yeah, your yeah. environment is is sort of creating yeah. that progression? So, do, does yeah. that give you a buzz? And a couple of times, particularly um, at the Wolves and at uh, Blamby and Bulleye when we started, and you, I had to put the work in and to see it pay off was fantastic. And that I wrote a book on um, art of coaching kids uh, years ago, and I've, I always tried to put I put a section in goal setting for, for coaches. But it, you, you know, I used to have with that bull under tens was oh, that was just lovely kids, really nice. They were lovely kids, but they yep. couldn't they couldn't play. Well, they could play, but you know, yeah. but, um, but uh, we, we'd have a goal putting three three passes together in a game, and if they got three passes together, I'd give them a big cheer, and they were looking to get three passes <laughs> together, and that was that was giving them something that, that, that was within the bounds of what they could do. do. Saying we want to win this game, we were, I don't think we won maybe one game or two games in the yep. whole year, but we'd have little goals like we're going to pass three times, or we're going to do make a little goal up at training and all <laughs> that, and that's 
kids will go for that. And if you yep. make it that they can get it like 70% of the time, they can achieve that goal, they get hungry, and then you can just move the, move the goalpost. Just incrementally. Bit, incrementally, and, and all of a sudden they've improved without even knowing they've done it, you know, and, uh, and they get they start counting the passes too. <laughs> it's good fun, you know. And as soon as I remember one player I had, um, I was having trouble connecting with him, and um, and you have those personality types, you know. You've got some some kids you've got to rev them up, and yep. you know, and some you, you just you've got to go. This kid used to read the papers in the dressing room, and you know, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get through him because I I hadn't read him properly. And all of a sudden, I, I got Jonesy. Um, I, 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 I was walking off the half time. We're having a shocker. And relative shock it was a pretty good yep. side. And I said, "You've give the ball away ten times. Do you know you give it away?" And I'm going to tell James you to count the number of passes you give away in the second half. I had no idea if he passed it or did it ten times or not. Yep. But as soon as I started counting something for him, he he went from being somebody who wasn't getting anything out of to being one of the best players in the district because I gave him. Yeah, you know, I somehow Mini connect, goal or I connected into his. You know, this is you, you have this pride. Okay, so I'm going to milk that pride, and then he's count his passes, and he come how many? You know, like he'd, he'd, be, <laughs> he'd be looking for feedback. So he just keep, and that's a, that's a top level. That was that was um, in the top one of my top Premier League sides I coached, and that uh, I always remember that's just a little. I just stumbled onto it. I was just, <laughs> just desperate. And uh, yeah, and that worked for him. And uh, so, yeah, they're all they're all different. So he's, I used to have a, a a sheet like a little book that I used to carry around. There's everybody had their goals for the game. We had yep. kept I had kids keeping score of passes and all that sort of data and that for them and team goals. And you know, when I first started coaching, I used to do the motivational speeches, but yep. <laughs> that last leg of the first smack in the mouth, and that's all <laughs> over, you know. So. <laughs> You, but some you have to, some you've got to fire up, and others you've got to you give them information. So you go around and you talk to them like that, and then you have it, what you got, what structure we want to play, what we got to look out for, what we got to do, and that. That's the general talk, and kids get prepared. We're very, very into ritual before, as I got better in the coaching. At this sort of time, you we'd come in, we'd have a talk. Yeah. You have time for yourself to do what yep. you want to do. In that time, I'd be going around everybody in the squad, and then they could go outside and warm up, yep. and they had to be back in with a certain time, and they'd have that same predictable build-up to when they ran out in the park. Everybody knew that we were building to the moment or right. ran out in the park, and um, that that's important. So yeah, instead of having these team talks and you know, you know, playing, they'd sort of all like kissing their shirts <laughs> and all that. Like, yeah, these these guys in Europe, they kiss the Kiss the badge, they're getting thousands, millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. And then off to China. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I guess um, it'd be silly of me to sort of ask for the different moments because it seems that you've um, every part of your career, whether it be playing or, or coaching, and you know you've sort of done you know junior soccer, mm-hmm. school soccer, um, senior soccer. You know it's it's been about about the journey. So. Is there sort of a sort of final words or thoughts that you want to put on your career to, to finalise the interview or Oh no, not not it's it's been fantastic. Um from my point of view I've, I've loved it and um it's it it teaches you lots about yourself. Um, and it's uh I guess it's it's I, I sometimes think about it and we started playing 
and then we started organising things so the kids could play. And now I'm worried about with to pay TV and everything. Now the players, we forgot the view that you know the kids who were playing for Australia would be playing cricket anyway. Yep. You know, and we've got to get back to that expecting players. You know, this this big corporations make money out of players because we, you know, I I don't I don't think I got a cent when I played, yep. and I trained as hard as I could, and and. Um, they they still would do it somehow. We've got to get back to that ethos of it's just a game and these are just kids. They're just well, I mean, you're a kid till you stop playing. Yeah. You know, oh, when I call them kids, they could be thirty five, yes. but and uh, but they still wanted to play. And we've got to somehow get a balance between the the, the demands that are made on them. Yep. Because they just want to play. And yep. if they're good enough, they can play for Australia. But they still play, you know, in State the church league, league down league here. You know, league. like it's, it's um, you know, I, I remember when Flem was on, he was saying he still had to kick when he was fifty something. You know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just want to play. Ringo is another another great man. You know, that's good. So no, I I just wish we could somehow um stop stop blaming you know, our Australian side. We've, we've we're not. We're not going through a golden era. We just yep. got to accept that we're not. But yeah. every kid on that park is yeah, doing cycles. the best they can. Don't tell me there's not one of them who don't want to score a hat trick or they don't want to win the game. You know, and when we start getting and criticising these kids um, for whatever reason, we've got to get it in perspective. Like that, there's nobody out there that's not doing the best. And you hear people say, "Oh, he's weak as water. He's useless." Or yep. Yeah, I, comments, I, yeah. just, uh, I was playing golf with a guy the other day and he was going on about the Australian team. I said, yeah, I said, you've know, got to be telling them stuff. Yeah, I said, you know, we've played golf for a long while. I said, let's go, you go, go out and, and go and part the course. Go, go and part the course for Because you know what to do. And yeah. I want to tell you what to do. Just go and part the course. I said, well, that's, that's what the kids like. They're, they're trying to part the course. Yep. They're trying to be the best they can. And and if they're not, let's support them for what they're putting in and, and give up this... Oh, they're not good enough. We're not entitled to be the best in the world. You know, right. we're entitled to be the best we can be. And yeah. if that works, every now and then the bus comes along and we get Harry and Mark, and and it'll come again. We'll get another year like that. It's just a matter yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. Keep at it, and but enjoy the periods in between and don't underestimate them. Well, uh, appreciate your time, and I know you've travelled a long way to to be today, and I, I greatly appreciate it, John. No, so thanks, Travis, and thanks, thanks for everything. And thanks for your, I've really enjoyed the podcast. So yeah, I well, might kill your ratings now, but that's all right. No, that is, is a, there's a few listening, so uh, appreciate their support, no, and, yeah. and thanks, John. Thanks, thanks, mate. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for listening and this podcast will be back with another episode in the near future. I'm your host Travis. Bye for now.